This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Rick in Seattle. Hey, Rick. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. Um, uh, just quick take on your take on the Seahawks and John and mm-hmm. uh, Pete. Yeah, you're, you're spot on on that. Uh, ask any Seahawk fan uh, 10, 11 years ago if they would, if you could present the 10-year run we've had, what would they say? Yeah, they would sign up um, right. every day and twice on Sundays for that type of thing. So mm-hmm. I agree with you a thousand percent on Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, Mike, yeah, my question, uh, quick take is, a um i'm in this uh what is called a survivor pool you might be familiar with them okay it's basically every week you pick an nfl team just to win they don't have to cover a point spread or anything but you only get to use them once so you have to this time of year if you're still luckily in one you have to start mapping things out and i'm down to this weekend i'm looking at philadelphia against the giants or baltimore against cleveland and I know Baker Mayfield's pretty banged up, and I think they're gaining a few of their offensive weapons back. Kareem Hunt, I think, is going to be back, and a few others. Yeah. And I'm just trying to I'm, – I'm, I'm waffling between the two. I like Philly. I like Jalen Hurts and what he's been doing. And mm-hmm. the Giants are – Terrible. They're at home, but I don't know. Yeah, the uh, Giants are terrible. So if Philly's one of the options, I think I'd lean towards Philly. Now, is Baltimore the uh, an option, or is it more Cleveland? As a survivor, no, it's Baltimore would is is the option I've used. Oh yeah, used, then, it's, then it's Baltimore. That, that's a good football team. Okay, I just I, don't. I know they've had you know they've been banging around and and um, Lamar was out obviously with the yeah. COVID and he's back. And well, he didn't I, have COVID. He, 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 just, my... he, just, he didn't have COVID. He was just had an illness. Oh okay, I was thought that, it was, was maybe no, COVID. No, related, it wasn't COVID. Anyway. It was just, he was just an illness that cost him the game last week. Yeah, thinking he was—he's been out two weeks and might be a little rust on the uh, mm. on the frame, but I—I I don't know. It's—I I like both picks. I—I'll I, be happy with either right. either of them. I'm just trying to see if there's an edge to one or the other. Yeah, Baltimore's the better team. Yeah, so I would lean toward Baltimore. They're playing good. Harbaugh's a great coach. Yeah, he's, I mean Harbaugh does Tomlin, a great. He's another one. Yeah, but again, it's like you know Harbaugh's <laughs> done a great job with that team. I mean Lamar Jackson, say what you want. Uh, is an MVP candidate and, uh, you know, runs the ball so well. The team runs the ball yeah. well despite, you know, losing their top three running backs. So, no, I would lead toward Baltimore. Okay. I will take it under consideration and probably lean that way. Thank you, Professor. Have a great weekend. Hey, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jeff in Kent. Hey, Jeff. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, happy holidays, and uh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, first thing, uh, shout out to the Coug fans. They uh, they earned it, and uh, they whooped us. And you know, good for them. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how they go. Uh, my question to you is: You, you said something earlier about uh, Bill Belichick, and you know, last year he finished seven and nine, yeah. and now nobody clamored for his job. Yeah, he's got a little more hardware than uh, Pete Carroll, but. This this whole talk about Pete Carroll and being gone and losing, I just I hear it every week now. It's like, please stop. Just agree. Oh, stop. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And then uh, the other, there was a caller that said, "Well, you should uh, 
you know, sit Russell Wilson down for the rest of the year. And it's like, why? Yeah. Why would you do that? You know, you, people get hurt in practice, let alone a game. It's like, just let them play. And, you know, who knows? Wilder things have happened. You know, who knows? You know, maybe we go on a run. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs, but that's okay. I would like to see some improvement. And as a Seahawk fan, uh, somebody said uh, a couple calls ago, it's like, if you would have signed up, you know, 10 years ago, it's like you go to the playoffs, you know, nine out of the 11 years Pete Carroll's been here. Everybody would sign up for that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it's it's hard to win in this league. We have injuries. We have some, you know, issues. But, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, the 12s are a little spoiled. And the real football fan, let's go back to, you know, back in the early late 80s, for mm-hmm. early 90s. Remember when they used to black out football games in right. your city? Right. We don't have that anymore because we're that good. And you know what? It's a bad year. It's a down year. It's a down year for the Huskies, down year for the Seahawks. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. But uh, don't talk about getting rid of, you know, Pete Carroll, John Schneider. There might have to be some adjustments. But don't, don't, don't goof the stuff up, you know. Yeah, because, again, who are you going to replace him with? Well, the other thing, too, it, yeah, right? Who Who's a hot commodity? They're... Who cares? Pete Carroll is a hot commodity. He's yeah. good. He's, you have a franchise quarterback, and I think you have a franchise coach. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. We just, you know. And then one other thing, and I'm not sure how to ask this: um, Is Bud <laughs> Grant still alive? Uh, I think he is, but I can't. I can't guarantee it. The reason I bring it up is because didn't Pete Carroll start under Bud? Bud he Grant. did. Yeah, he did. I was just wondering if if Bud Grant was alive and Pete says, "Hey, you know, no, I need I need some help here." You know, Bud Grant. You know, the crew yeah. fat guy and all that. You know, he was awesome. I wonder if he just said, "Pete, take it easy. You'll be fine." Mm-hmm. I'm sure Pete. So talks, just, I'm sure talk, Pete talks to a lot of people that he's worked with, and you know, yeah. I'm sure they all tell him the same thing: is just try yeah. to work through it. And that's what he's trying to do. But again, it's like yeah. the overreaction in the city has just been brutal. Oh, uh, well, I think the main thing is, like I said, I think I think we're just spoiled. And, you know, if you don't win, then I'll off with his head, walk the plank or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Think, no, stop. Just stop. Just mm-hmm. stop. So, anyway, Mr. Clayton, you have a great uh, weekend and it was great talking to you and I'm still listening. So have a good one. All right. Sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Brian in Snohomish. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. Hey, John. Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate the show. It's it's uh, it's great to listen to, and I like the way you treat people. It's oh, fantastic. thank you. Um, 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 I bet you, how would you like to be Jen Cohen about right now? And uh, I bet you, I bet she's Oof. working. Want to bet? <laughs> well, she's not happy, I'm sure. It's been a brutal year. We, um, you know, we sensed something taking place um, after the Montana game, and uh, it was there's something lacking. Um, and as you know, it's a very tough job to be a head coach. You, you have to. Um, there's so many things you have to learn, and uh, I think um, Jimmy Lake will be fine. He'll land on his feet. Uh, certainly, he has 10 million reasons to. But I do think this hire she has to get right. She has to even um, – I, I hear some things about either Campbell um, or is it Hawkins, I mean, or mm-hmm. uh, no, Cam, Campbell from – is that Iowa State? Iowa State, yeah. Um, Campbell, yeah. Or, 
DeBoer, or DeBoer, I believe he's uh, over at Fresno State. Um, so I hope they can get this thing going and get it quick. I, I A lot of us faithful would prefer not to have Justin Wilcox at this time, but I'm hearing some inklings about that, too. Um, it's a tough uh, year for Husky football. I don't think people envision this. I do would, would have to tell you, though, that the last couple of years of uh, – uh, Chris Peterson weren't exactly um, ecstatic or, uh, you know, really. Yeah, but not as bad as this. Not as bad well, as this. this. Is, yeah. Well, particularly when you're when you're uh, uh, outside chance to be in the college football playoffs. In fact, uh, our good friend Phil Steele even predicted we were had a, a great shot at the college football playoff. Uh, yeah. uh, Ryan Leach, uh, uh, Ryan Leaf even did. But, you know, listen, one of your colleagues there listening to uh, the former quarterback said, look, Maybe uh, Jimmy Lake should have never tied his hand to John Donovan. And uh, one of the things I've learned in life, if you're ahead of something, make sure you get fantastic people around you. Don't let your ego get in the way of uh, having fantastic assistants or those people around you that can maybe be better at something that you are. And I, I think Jimmy has to bear some of the responsibility for this, getting a coach like Donovan who was not uh, sought out, he was an assistant running back coach, I think, for what Tennessee or or Jacksonville, maybe Jacksonville Jaguars. So um, this this has been a, a, a real uh, train wreck from the get go. One of the things too, if you look at it, um, Coach Peterson he uh, would run uh, drills. Uh, Jimmy Lake said, "No, we're going to run scrimmages." If you notice, a lot of the kids were hurt this year. We had a tremendous amount of injuries too, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think. Um, it's going to be a, a, a long go. I'm looking forward to a future of Husky football, and good for the Cougars. I'll give them one and eight every time. One and nine, how about that? One and eight, we'll give them that, right, every once in a while. Yeah. They blew us out. I understand they had something to play for. We did not. Um, but uh, I, sh- I sure appreciate your show, and uh, hopefully uh, better days are ahead, and I um, will re-up my tickets for next year. Okay? There you go. Good job. Yeah. Hey, Good job. Thank thanks, you. John. See you, buddy. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. couple items right now. Uh, I know that uh, the uh, Commando Dave just uh, texted in and said that uh, Bud Grant is still alive at the age of 94, and the Mariners finally have made a move, and it's a significant one. You know, uh, Jerry Depoto uh, waited two days after Thanksgiving and was able to pick up uh, Padre or Mar- uh, second baseman Adam Frazier from the San Diego Padres in exchange for a pair of minor league players, left-handed pitcher Ray Car- Kerr and outfielder uh, Corey Rozier. And according to uh, you know Depoto, Adam is a proven, versatile, well-rounded player. His presence makes our lineup longer and our team more complete. <clears throat> and you know he's 30 years old. Uh, he'll be on 30 years old December 14th, coming off his best season where he posted a 305 slash line, a 305, 368, 411 slash line, 36 doubles, five triples, five homers, 43 RBIs. He had a 40 fan grip. Ward number, and he actually uh, was, uh, you know, leading up in, uh, an all-star last year. So they did make a move, and they got a second baseman, not a third baseman, a second baseman. <clears throat> so Adam Frazier is a new member of the Seattle Mariners. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Rick in Twin Lakes. Hey, Rick. Hey, 
Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Oh, that was an interesting move that you just announced. Yeah. Uh, DePoto. And, um, yeah, um, I would recall last uh, week I um, was talking about the Seahawks and the fact that uh, Rashad Penny doesn't want it anymore. And it was uh, never more evident. Yeah. The 18-yard run, and then he went out. And then he came back in one more time for one yard. Mm-hmm. And Pete Carroll was mystified at the press conference to explain why he wasn't in there. And um, he, uh, you know, he kind of sounded like um, he was defending C.J. Procise. Um, like I said, he um, he's collecting a paycheck, but I don't think he really wants to play football. His, his heart's not in it. And of course, D.J. Dallas, um, he um, he uh, had a good game uh, mm-hmm. for his limited amount of time that they had him in there, which I thought they should have, you know, they should have played him more. He averaged 6.3 yards a carry and scored the only touchdown. Mr. D.J. Dallas, that is. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, Alex Cullen and D.J. Dallas should be 1-2 uh, uh, as far as the running backs. Uh, for By the, the way, did you, did you see the uh, uh, all-pro, uh, the Pro Bowl voting by fans? No, I did not. Okay, so D.J. Dallas was number five as far as kickoff returns. Oh, okay. So he got some recognition. Oh, yeah, he got, he's, he's a good kid. He's got a great yeah. attitude. He works hard. You like I said, you uh, with those kind of guys, you just hope he gets his chance. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, yeah, um, Russell Wilson uh, once again, uh, and it, it's uh, it's been said quite a bit uh, today about Russell uh, wanting to continue to um, go downfield. He wants to be the mad bomber, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, but the uh, the tight ends were available. The tight yeah. ends were open, and he only hit them a few times. Uh, Joe Everett's three passes uh, caught. And of course, Will Disley only caught one pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and if you, it's kind of like a, a fight. You go to the body so you can get to the head. I mean, if you throw the short passes, it'll open up the deeper ones. Right. And uh, just like running the ball, you know. But um, it's the same, pretty much the same thing. Um, Seahawks, uh, they they've got a pretty tough way to go. You know, um, they need all their games. They need to win all their, their remaining games, to which is going to be uh, quite a task. Since um, they've got to play um, the Cardinals um, in their backyard and right. the Rams in their backyard, uh-huh. so that's going to be two that you pretty much can pencil in that they're not going to win. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, if I was to say any more, I'd just be repeating myself. Um, so I'll give it. Well, oh, one more thing. Yeah. Uh, last week, I mentioned that I was going to go get a puppy. I picked up a male boxer. Okay. And I named him. Are you ready? Yeah. Go ahead. Gronkowski. Wow, how about that? Yeah, his name is Gronk. Okay. Yeah, the name, the dog is. He knows his name. He's paper trained, and he's fitting in real good with my other boxer. Well, you know, the only thing is, unfortunately, uh, the boxer can't get the uh, USAA uh, membership because uh, unless he was in the military, or if parents were in the military, then that didn't happen, as we saw in the Gronk commercials that are out there all the time. But he does have a great jab and, a, and a, a tremendous overhand right, kind of like Muhammad Ali. Yeah, and of course, I mean, as you know, I'm a big <laughs> Gronk. I'm a big Gronk fan because he went to my high school. Exactly. I figured you would appreciate that. John. No, that's great. <laughs> hey, have a nice John. Have right. a nice day, John. Okay, appreciate that. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Mark in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Mark. Howdy. How are you, John? Good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me? I'm walking my dog in, in the woods. Anyway, I'm a 
Coog fan. Okay. And uh, congratulations. Yeah, that was a thank you. It was that that took a load off my shoulders. You know, mm-hmm. the Huskies have had our our number for years and years and years. And uh, I really like Dickert. And Brian Smith did an awesome job. Mm-hmm. Um, can you look in your crystal ball and tell me about the recruiting class? And, I, can, uh, I, I cannot because I, you know, like uh, for like the uh, the college, NFL draft and for recruiting, you know, I don't I don't get into that till after the pro football season because I spend so much time on the pro football season. It's hard to get into those areas. Uh, from what I understand, right. they've done a good job recruiting, a very good job recruiting. So that's encouraging. Right. And then they'll go to the Rose Bowl. Nah, Rose Bowl. Here I'm jumping up. Yeah. Um, you got to watch for Oregon and see what Oregon does today. Right. And, and I'm asking all the Husky fans to, to pre, please pray for Washington State, man. It's uh, Oregon State, rather, mm-hmm. that they beat Oregon. Yeah, because, so, again, if that happens, um, if Oregon State wins today, then uh, Washington wins the North. Washington State wins the North, and then uh, Utah's already won the South. They won that yesterday. So now we have a pretty good picture of what's happening in the Pac-12. Right. That's awesome. Uh, do you think they'll keep Dickert? I don't know. I think so. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, he's done such a great job. I mean, what more can he do? I mean, if if he doesn't, if, if Oregon wins, is that, is, that, is that his fault? No. But I think that he's kept his team together. He's kept the coaching staff together, and they continue to win. Yeah. Yep. It's been a good year. It's been a weird year. Yeah. What, what, I mean, as you watched the game last night, how did what, what what did you keep saying as the game kept going on? This is not a typical Husky fan or a typical Husky team. Um, I, you know, I've watched the the Apple Cup now yeah. for fifty two years, and uh, yeah, that was not your typical Husky fan. Right, Husky team, yeah, they they were uh, they were dominating. Mm-hmm. They were dominating every aspect of that game. And Sam Sam so, Hewitt, as good as he's going to be, just didn't seem like he was ready. Four interceptions, no, a lot of bad throws. Right, yeah, uh, and then he's he's taking it on social media, uh, and I feel sorry for. That's for a Sam. shame. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, it, it is. It is. People should. Just keep their negative opinions to themselves. Exactly. Anyway, John, I appreciate you taking my call. Okay. And I want to say howdy to everybody from Nashville, Tennessee. Y'all come down and, and uh, bring a lot of money. In. <laughs> there and, you go. Uh, have a good time. Hey, thank yeah. you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. We're going to come back and have our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so, Dave, yesterday the Cougars just absolutely, totally, completely blew out the Huskies 40-13. to We anticipated the Cougars had the edge in this game, but 27 points? It could have been a lot more than that, John. Yeah. It could have been 27 points in the first half, the way Washington State was playing. Um, they just weren't able to convert as much in the first half. But this was, uh, as the score would indicate, no contest. Yeah, no doubt. And so, uh, I mean, uh, and uh, your thoughts on Sam Hewitt? I mean, it, as I think as great as he's going to be as a quarterback for Washington, I mean, he just didn't look ready. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of had the same thought. I mean, that, then again, he, he's he's a guy who hasn't played a whole lot, and and look, I think you saw what he's going to become. You know, mm-hmm. if he works hard, you certainly saw the 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 ability. You saw the power in the arm, but uh, it, it was it was it felt a little to me like he was being thrown to the wolves. That that may be a good way to start. Uh, your career, you know, may, may you know establish the kind of work ethic that you need to get a whole lot better. But uh, I thought, as you did, John, that, that um, you know, as much as I was criticizing uh, Bob Gregory for changing quarterbacks constantly, which he was doing the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, you could have made a switch on, on Heward in that game. He was he was a little overmatched in this one. Yeah, particularly by the second interception. I mean, I think you, you can look at and see him on the sidelines, you know, talking to the coaches and talking to different players and different things like that, that you could see that that was probably the time to be able to do it, but they kept him in and just didn't, you know, give him a break. No, and he uh, winds up learning something the hard way, so he'll have a chip on his shoulder moving forward. And, and boy, it just goes to show, I mean, you know, Washington started this year, John, ranked 20th in the country. Mm-hmm. 20th in the country, you know, off off a shortened season where they had reason to believe that they were going to be good and with a veteran offensive line that was supposed to give them a great advantage. And and it just all, it all fell apart. I mean, uh, you know, there have been some bad Washington seasons in, in recent memory, but I don't know of any of them compared to this one where you had expectations that were top 20 and, and maybe, you know, even, hey, we get, get a break here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, we can pull off an undefeated season to, to being a team that lost to Montana that wound up going 4-8 and eight and, and really going down as one of the worst they've ever had at Montlake. Yeah, no doubt about it. And how about for the Cougars? I mean, the fact that, you know, seven years that they've lost uh, in a row to the Huskies, to be able to get a win over the Huskies, get a big win like that, and at least put themselves in a position where if Oregon loses today, which is probably unlikely, but if Oregon loses, then all of a sudden Washington State can win the Pac-12 North. Well, anything's possible in in a rivalry game like the Civil War, and Oregon State's got some talent, but you're right, it's unlikely. And if it does happen, that is that is an unbelievable accomplishment. They're in the championship game uh, with a, with a rematch against Utah, who beat them during the regular season. Uh, nonetheless, a chance to you know to to win that game and and likely play in the Rose Bowl, which would be mm-hmm. an unbelievable occurrence when you consider where they were when when their coach walked away. Uh, it was uh, it was a very impressive performance. They were they were ready for this game in, in every way, shape, or form. They didn't. They didn't allow uh, the fact that they didn't really run it up in the first half, uh, get them down. That they kind of left the door open for Washington. In fact, they just kicked the door closed in the second half. So, but you know, for uh, for Jake Dickert, it was, uh, it was an incredible performance by his team. Uh, they'll watch and wait and see what Oregon State can do. But uh, regardless of that, they're going bowling. And uh, in my opinion, Washington State's got a very tough choice to make because you know this was a coach who did it with a limited coaching mm-hmm. staff as well. You know, several coaches walked out as well and did just a fantastic job. Yeah, so do you think he should get the job as the uh, full-time coach? My opinion, yes. Yeah, I My do too. My opinion, yes. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, when to, 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 to have a winning season, to, to get through the kind of, um, you know, adversity they got through. And, and again, I reiterate, to do it without a full complement of coaches yeah. and, and have a team that, that was so, so, you know, played so well, played so well, you know, didn't, didn't pile up tons of turnovers there wasn't clearly anything missing i mean four assistants went with nick rolovich uh, and that was that was really coaching behind the eight ball and yeah and he did a fantastic job he's 38 yeah I, w- I would keep him yeah no doubt and of course i thought that the quarterback did a good job the running game did a good i mean i did i mean everything for washington state just worked yesterday 
Yeah, I mean, look, I hate to say it, but uh, they looked like the uh, not just a better football team, yeah. but like they had better football players. Right. You know, usually Washington is bigger and stronger, and 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 it just did not look that way yesterday for the Huskies, who who have got a long, long road back. It feels like John, uh, you get a sense that that recruiting has been damaged pretty much, and it wasn't going that great to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, it, unless they get someone in who's dynamic, who can turn around a recruiting class immediately, uh, next year's going to be a little rough too, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. So they've got uh, you know a lot of work to do, and then they still have to get a head coach now. And uh, you know that you know it's like it's, it's, I don't know how long it's going to take. Now, they obviously got to make the right choice, but boy, if you're Jen Cohen, and you have to sit through a game like that yesterday, you can't be very happy. No, no, you're not. Uh, you know, you and again, you're, you're looking at a scenario where. Uh, I didn't see what the crowd numbers were, and they're probably a little bit better for the Apple Cup, yeah. but they've been abysmal all year, just abysmal all year. And that is definitely a factor. And, and look, you know, Washington's basketball team is, plays in the non-conference schedule they play, which is normally, you know, here's Gonzaga playing Duke last night, mm-hmm. and Washington's playing Texas Southern, and, and no one's going to their games, and they're not even winning all of them. So, you know, they're, they're having a problem with their with their major uh, major franchises, I'll call them, you know, men's basketball and, and men's football and, and drawing fans in. And it's uh, it does reflect back on the athletic director who hired both these coaches. No doubt about it. Uh, how do you kind of look at the Pac-12 right now? Well, it depends on what Oregon does. If, if Oregon can come up with, with, a, with a big victory against Oregon State and stay in the conversation, though I don't know that there'll be a, a Final Four team. I mean, there's, a, yeah. there's always possibilities there. Um, if, if in fact that they, they get in there, I mean, it, it, it really will speak well to the entire conference if that happens, if, if they don't, you know, if they, if they lose to Oregon state or win, but, but just say, nah, we're going to go with, you know, the, the ultimate John mm-hmm. would be if Ohio state gets in instead of them, right. When they went to Columbus and beat Ohio state, uh, that, that would be, you know, you, you see Oregon being treated kind of like a, uh, like, like, you know, someone outside of the power five. So. I think a lot depends on, on, on what the Ducks do against the Oregon State and then what the um, the committee does in terms of putting them in there. If they get in, they get in. Even if they lose bad, uh, that, that bodes very well for the Pac-12. It, it, it means, you know, you're still – your best team is still good enough to play for the national championship. No doubt if about they, it. If they win the Oregon State game and don't get into the Final Four – uh, then it speaks to the fact that the conference is not very well regarded. Mm-hmm, no doubt. And probably, for the most part, there's not a lot of great reviews of the Pac-12 overall, but then, hey, not a lot of great reviews about the Pac-12 either. I mean, the uh, you know the uh, some of the other conferences, too. I right, mean, right. It would, come, it would come down to how they did in, in bowl games, and, and that would... Uh, that would you know lead towards it a little bit you know how UCLA and Washington yeah. State and and Utah and those guys doing their bowl games. Okay, we have baseball news today. Uh, I don't yeah, know if do. you were able to pick up on it. Uh, you know, the Mariners acquired Adam Frazier for two minor league prospects from the San Diego Chargers, and you know he's a 305 hitter who was an All Star last year. Yeah, uh, switchblade. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's a Mark McLemore, uh, you know, who was. A vital part of the 2005 team, you know, or the 2001 team, you know, Mark McLemore lost his job to Brett Boone, and he went into Lou Pinella's office and said, "I'm still a starter." And Pinella mm-hmm. said, "Yes, you are," and he wound up starting at second base, at shortstop, at left field, at right field, and that's that's exactly what they've got with uh, with uh, Adam Frazier. So they, they got a guy who, who is who can play at second base, but can also play all over the place. I mean, can can play. Uh, Left field, right field, third base. So is a guy that you will see in the lineup a lot 
will start a lot of games without perhaps having a set position. Yeah, no doubt. But that's, I mean, because again, everybody's kind of wondering, it's like, okay, when's Jerry DePoto going to make a move? And I know that, you know, he's been on with Mike Salk and continue to talk about, hey, we're making some progress on this. We're making some progress on this. And then finally, you know, he gets this deal done. And I know that he's working on pitchers and stuff like that. In fact, I know I have to look at it closely because I didn't have a chance to read it closely that, uh, you know, Seattle Times listed about nine pitchers that they're interested in. There's been about seven that have signed so far, and they, they need, obviously, one or two starting pitchers. They do, but, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's step at a time, piece mm-hmm. by piece. And, and the other thing that, that and this points it out, obviously, that, that it's not exclusively free agents where you're going to be able to acquire pitchers. You know, one of the reasons why you – you build up your farm system, and they did not really give up any top prospects in this one. No, they did not. But one of the reasons why you, why you build up your farm system is to make deals sometimes. So don't forget that they can still make deals for pitching as well, like mm-hmm. they did for Adam Frazier. Yeah, no doubt. And, of course, I mean, the thing with Frazier is, like, decent batting average. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have much power, but that's okay. I mean, he's a second baseman infielder, and uh, you don't necessarily need that. So now what about third base? How do you think that sorts out? Uh, he's going to be in the mix there. I mean, he'll be a player who plays mm-hmm. there, and Abraham Toro is going to be a player who plays there. I think that's a position that they're that they're probably looking pretty hard at. Uh, I, I feel like uh, like I think everyone does that that they're set with J.P. Crawford at shortstop. So mm-hmm. um, they've also talked about you know being willing to look at guys who weren't the guys you necessarily expect to be third basemen. And like I said, uh, Frazier can play third, so he he'll he'll fit in the mix there. But that that's a spot that that I think they'll be looking at to, for the big league roster uh, moving forward. Whether they have something coming up in the farm system or not, they're definitely going to be looking at third base. Well, that's the thing. Abraham Toro, I mean, I know that, uh, I mean, he did pretty well last year in his, since the trade coming over from Houston. But, uh, I mean, he was considered to be one of the brighter young prospects for like three, four years. He just never had a chance to be on the field because of Houston. Right. Now he's got a chance to be on the field. And he's going to mm-hmm. have a chance to win, win some jobs and win playing time. And, and uh, look, you know, you, you need, it sounds just like a silly thing to say, but you need baseball players. Yeah. I mean, you need, you need when you got 25 guys on the team, you need guys who can play, and it's much better to have guys who can play a variety of positions, uh, you know, to ha- have that kind of depth and flexibility uh, that you can, you can maneuver, and um, that's, that's, I think, seems like what they're, what they're trying to build here with, and they've already got guys, I mean, Ty France is a guy who can play yeah. a couple of positions, and and they've got guys who can do that. So it's, that's that's a strong way of going about it from the Mariners' standpoint. No doubt about it. Now, of course, uh, big game coming up Monday night. Uh, mm. Seahawks taking on Washington. <clears throat> two teams right now, they're on the verge of getting almost eliminated from the playoff competition. But two teams, it feels like going in different directions, John. Yeah. Uh, Washington is uh, two weeks off beating a Tampa, mm-hmm. which uh, gave them a lot of momentum, uh, understandably so. And, and at 4-6, and six, they're trying to claw back in it, and they did so last year. And the Seahawks at three and seven are, are trying their rallying cry. You know they they don't have to they don't have to you know pretend that everyone thinks they're against them. Everyone is against them. They don't have to pretend to think that no one thinks they can do it. No one thinks they can do it. Yeah. So you've got you've got the veterans in in that circumstance. You've got uh, you know from for the for the true believers you've got you've got a very good quarterback normally when he's healthy and you've got two good wideouts and you've got an individual who can win games for you and we've seen Russell Wilson do that so. You know, it, you know, it, uh, it's improbable, it's unlikely, but uh, it's not like you're trying to hope with it with a team that is going to struggle at quarterback. You know, you got a you got a guy who can who can make big plays for you. So uh, I I feel like seven and zero is completely unlikely, 
you got to take it one game at a time, though. They've been a better team on the road, and they've been at home for some reason. So, you know, being on the road in Washington may do them some good. That may be. In uh, in Washington, they have played better the last couple weeks, but they were horrible at the beginning of the season, and their defense has just been the biggest drop-off of just about any team in football. Right, but I think that we're looking at the last two weeks, John, and we're seeing it. We're seeing something, something that's happened there. Ron Rivera's got them playing yeah. now, and and uh, they seem to have made the kind of transition that the Seahawks are hoping to make. No doubt about it. And so, what's the biggest thing that you need to see from the Seahawks uh, for from the improvement standpoint? I think you know specifically, John. You want to see Russell Wilson putting up the kind of numbers that he put up mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year and throughout his whole career. I mean. Once you see that, I mean, you can, all right, you can start to dream a little bit. Nothing is possible without <clears throat> Russell Wilson being the Russell Wilson that he was. Right. So if that doesn't happen, then nothing's going to happen. If, you know, you can, you can have the defense step up and play better. You can have a lot of other things happen. But, but if Russell Wilson does not, you know, perform the way he has in the past, the, the team can't can't get it done so uh, first and foremost i'm looking to see if his accuracy is back on his shorter passes i think the last game we saw him connect on a long pass and and look good in a couple so i think he's got it back there if his accuracy is back on short passes he's going to have to run the ball more he's going to have to become more of the total offense guy that he's been in the past but he has been that in the past and if we see russell wilson playing on on all eight cylinders uh then you've got a team that, that can still literally beat anyone Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can see that league wide, uh, <clears throat> they're starting. To, they're starting to get down on Seattle because next week's game, which was a Sunday night game, <clears throat> was flexed, and so against San Francisco, that game now becomes an afternoon game and not a night game. Yeah, that was a mistake. As most people know, the Seahawks and the 49ers play great football games against each other. Yeah. I don't think the record really matters much. They they usually play great games against each other, and I would have, even though the Seahawks are down, I would expect that one to be just as good. Mm-hmm. No doubt about don't it. Don't you? So, I mean, that, those are those are those are great games. Oh, I tell you what, what a great weekend for football this weekend. I mean, because mm-hmm. again, we've already seen two of them. Even though the the, the Thursday schedule was pretty bad, that uh, Chicago Detroit game was just awful. But I mean, there's nine games, an NFL record, where you had 500 teams or better facing each other. Don't forget, you got Ohio State playing Michigan right now. Mm-hmm. What's the score there? 14-13 Michigan at the half. Hmm. So, I mean, John, I mean, Jim Harbaugh may be able to be, make that streak where he hasn't been able to beat Ohio State. Well, he's uh, don't don't count your chickens yet. No, it's that's just true. halftime. But um, yes, there would be Harbaugh's. Michigan's ranked fifth. Ohio State's ranked second. So this is. This is a truly, truly epic matchup of wow. the, the best rivalry in college football. And, of course, I mean, uh, what now are you going to watch here on what is the uh, last day of uh, regular season college football? I'm watching the, when, the minute I hang up with you, it's back to Ohio State, Michigan, John. Okay, well, I, I want to keep you from that. Uh, what else <laughs> is on the agenda for the Gras this weekend? Uh, just uh, Thanksgiving sandwiches, buddy. Okay, yeah. Sa- same good. meal for three meals a day. There you go. That sounds good. A lot of turkey? You betcha. There you go. That's our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, enjoy the remainder of Thanksgiving weekend and enjoy your turkey. John, talk to you next week, buddy. All right. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. 
866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Commando Dave. David, how are you? I'm worn out, John Clayton, but it's great to be back on the John Clayton Show. Shout out to Matthew and Dean Nelson for getting me on the airwaves of 710 Cairo, home of the flexed out Seattle Seahawks, so I can bring it to the show. And to paraphrase, the center of the 1932, 33, and 34 Michigan Wolverines and the 38th president of the United States, Gerald R. Ford, our long husky nightmare season is over. Yeah. And talk about a bookend, John Clayton. After the season opening, inexplicable home home loss to the Montana Grizzlies, the dogs got pounded into the turf of Husky Stadium by the Cougars, and the WSU flag planted in the field, and all heard right here on 710 Cairo, home of the Cougars. So congratulations to WSU Cougar fans and to Cougar fan caller Jeff, as a Hewitt family fan, don't ever come on the John Clayton show again and try to besmirch that legendary football name. No. And while I'm talking about the agonizing end of the Husky season, John Clayton, I think I speak for curious Husky fans, curious non-Husky fans, and most of his journalism teachers. When I say to Mike Burrell of the Seattle Times, we're all still waiting for the follow-up to your article suspended UW football coach Jimmy Lake faces allegation he shoved player in 2019, which posted two weeks ago today. Like, whether or not, along with your five-face maskless sources, the head coach and or AD were aware of the alleged incident that they described, which you wrote, occurred less than two months before Jimmy Lake was announced as the Huskies head coach. And if so, then, well... Well, look, you can take it from there. I'm not going to do your entire job for you on the John Clayton show. Uh, And, John Clayton, look, from my raw dog Husky fan perspective, Mike Burrell opened the door. Actually, he kicked the door open to the head-scratching notion of the Washington Athletic Department due diligence. Did the AD just find out about the alleged incident when her assistant plopped a copy of the Times on her desk? Or was it in Jimmy Lake's file before being handed to Mike Burrell by deep throat in the head parking garage. In my estimation, this is more serious than a Maddie Ice International Immobiliary infatuation. And if Mike Burrell isn't going to put on some scuba gear and dive down his own rabbit hole, he needs to quit writing about the Huskies football team, as the late Howard Cosell would put it, post-haste. John Clayton, you're a Hall of Fame uh, football writer. Right. Winner of the Dick McCann Award, along with numerous other distinctions, uh, along with Dre's Award. You're, you're following the bouncing ball of what I'm talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, it, but again, sometimes it's just hard to get that extra push to get the, uh, you know, the information to confirm things and all that different stuff. And obviously, you know, if you're going to be covering the Huskies like uh, Pharrell, it's like uh, you, you got so many things going on because you got to keep on top of the coaching search. You got to keep on top of our recruits going to stay. You got to keep on top of where that is as far as decisions by the new coaching staff. There's a lot there. But again, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we, we, you're right. There's still the question, what did uh, management know and when did they know it? Thank you. Bottom line on that. But uh, the other thing is, man, thank goodness, as I said, uh, this Husky season has oh. come to an end. Yesterday would have been one of the 
sweetest victories after a very sour season and just turned into probably the most agonizing defeat of the year. Moving to the Seahawks, John Clayton, like a caller alluded to earlier. We've watched a lot of bad Seahawks football since 76, and we only hear young voices which have only seen good Seahawks football calling for Pete Carroll to be fired. I know. Look, I, for one, along with a lot of old Seahawks fans that called this show, say, uh, I'm rolling with Pete Carroll until the wheels fall off. And, mm-hmm. and I'll admit, one wheel is off, and there's a flat on another, but there's no need to uh, panic and start talking about uh, firing Pete Carroll. And then the notion of not playing Russell Wilson for the rest of the year is uh, one that's even uh, more curious. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of listening to the broadcast uh, a few weeks ago against Green Bay. And when Dave Wyman at the end of the game said, you know, it's interesting watching Russell Wilson down there because he's the only guy on the field who doesn't know that Seahawks are about to lose. Mm-hmm. And so he's that kind of competitor. You're not going to keep a guy like Russell Wilson on the sideline for the rest of the season. No, that'd be wrong. That's not going to happen. I mean, look look at the bad seasons that uh, the Falcons have had. Has Matt Ryan Mm -hmm. uh, not uh, played? No, he's played all the way through that. It's like you're you're the starting quarterback. You're making $35 million, whatever you're making. I mean, you play, and particularly a guy like Russell Wilson, who loves the game of football. He continues to play. Mm -hmm. Hey, Commando, have yourself a great Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Enjoy Thank college football and get that Washington season behind you. My best of business, Clayton. Go see Hawk Talk and Roll. Talk to you, John Clayton. Okay, sounds good. And, of course, that's the John Clayton Show. Coming back uh, next week, 8 to 11, it's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.